Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and this is a great, great episode to be tuning into because we're talking Hell is Real victory over Columbus at home. GB was there. Opie was there. This was the day of days for FC Cincinnati fans. Look, if you like this podcast enough to be downloading it, please, please, please share this with another friend, a family member, somebody you brought to the game, because we want to get the word out. This one's fun. Enjoy the hell out of this postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who experienced Hell is Real in very different ways, I would say. We are joined by the one and only Chief. We are joined by uh, Jonah. I almost said Grayson for some reason, uh, and I... I I say that because we are not joined by Grayson. I'm not looking at Grayson. Uh, he is he's unable to attend. He is on on the road. So thank you to for uh, for showing up, Chief. Let's get let's get it out in the open right now. How did you experience Hell Is Real? So I I need to put this all in the proper context. So I want <laughs> everyone to back sign. up. I need to back everyone to back up and go back with me to a simpler time. In uh, November of 2022, before we had any idea how great the FC was going to be this year, <laughs> before we had any idea that we would be a supporter shield winning team, uh, contending team, any Thank of you. that, before the uh, before the season schedule had been announced, uh, your boy decided to try and do a solid for Mrs. Chief and for her birthday, purchased her tickets. Uh, to go see Ed Sheeran performing live in Tampa, Florida at Raymond James Stadium. She was very excited. I thought to myself as I was buying them self, what are the odds that anything important will be <laughs> happening on the date this concert is scheduled? <laughs> well, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, oh. while everyone else was enjoying Hell is Real, I was being serenaded by a ginger Englishman uh, along with 75,000 people in Central Florida. So thank God the stadium has good Wi-Fi. That's all, I, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> so everyone in this place is just losing their mind. And I've got, the, uh, I've got the game up on my phone. And I tend to believe that if there's one person in music that would understand I'm not paying attention to a concert. I'm watching a soccer game. It would have to be someone from Yorkshire, England. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm fully here for all of your takes about what a shitty fan I am. Oh no. Hey, you, you, as we've discussed much to uh, Jonah's dismay, you know, you got to make deposits of wife points so you can make withdrawals <laughs> later. <laughs> so totally I think the FDIC was contacted for this fucking deposit. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do they incorporate the pirate ship in the show at all? They did not, which was oh. unfortunate. You would think no, I, that's a no brainer. We were sitting directly behind the pirate in front of the pirate ship. I would have shot the cannons off once or twice if I was a multi platinum recording artist. There were multiple right. opportunities. 
during many songs to do so, and it just it, it didn't happen, sadly. Man, you got it. The man is a talent. The man is a phenomenal talent, though. He puts on an (laughs) an electric show. (laughs) Speaking of putting on an electric show, Jonah, how did Hell is Real find you? Oh, it found me well. It found me quite well. This is my yearly. This is my voice crack. Wow, I'm crying already. Uh, This is like the one or two, one or two games where I actually join the pregame festivities in some way. And this uh, this week, I also had to. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you know, we it was we were we birdies were whispering of um, a legend of some kind pulling the sword at FCC. Then we're hearing a legend will be at Northern Row at uh, Di's Bar. And of course, it was GB. So you know, you had to be there mm. if you were if, if you're like me, if you're of my ilk. GB holds a really special place in your heart. So. To have the chance to see the man in person before he pulled the sword was just something that I couldn't pass up, but I didn't pass up, and I could tell it meant a lot to uh, a lot of the, the the pride women and men who uh, he, he turned. To, it was like Beatlemania, you know, yes. when GB hopped out of that car, and I was like, "He's here! He's here! He's here!" <laughs> Dressed to the nines, looking like a million bucks. Oh yeah, um, you'd have no idea he had just traveled recently across the globe i assume are we all just assuming it came from senegal or do we actually know where gb is that's part of what makes the allure of gb is that you never know gb is everywhere and nowhere all once. like if you told me gb was just chilling in des moines iowa i would believe it if he was told me he was back in kazakhstan i would believe that as well he never actually left it was was actually a quick uber for me to get here i'm just waiting for somebody to ask me um but but yeah so lots of pictures with him and then um our friend opie made what could be his last appearance Mm. definitely in the march first and last appearance in the march and this time he was in a good mood so i'm taking pictures with everyone who asked so it's just one of those days when you you know things are going to go well because the stars seem to be aligned it did feel like GB cheered up Opie. I think I think I also saw Opie crack a smile when when he was had his arm around GB there. That was that was fantastic. Um, and yeah, as as both of these men are, are saying, we knew that uh, GB was making his way. Uh, or at least attempting to make his way. Apparently there was some drama last second on Wednesday. There was a flight cancellation, and I do believe he was coming from Senegal, and I can't imagine there's a lot of flights out of Senegal heading to Cincinnati in time for Hell is Real on such a tight timeline, uh, tight deadline there. So insanely thankful that he was there this is how you know it was a big deal that gb showed up is that jimmy mclaughlin was also there and nobody talked about jimmy (laughs) (laughs) any other time yeah before we make make jokes about this because we're gonna make some jokes about this i just want to say good on fc cincinnati for this like for his for as much as i i will occasionally shit on the club when they make dumb decisions this is without a doubt one of the best things the club has done in terms of acknowledging history, giving the fan base exactly what they want and taking what's otherwise kind of a cringy idea of this. We're pulling a sword out from this, you know, party source looking well (laughs) that they've built out of styrofoam 
and making it something we're like, yeah, that's pretty cool. And of all the things that I'm upset that I missed this weekend, seeing GB return to Cincinnati is way the fuck up there. It was exactly to your point. It was one of the first times in MLS that I felt like, yeah, the club gets it. Like the, they, they get it. They're, they're, they're tapped in like the fan base in the front office is on the same wavelength on this one. It was very, very smart of them to think to get GB. I know I, the week before, right. People had sent out some funny tweets about it. And I don't know if, if things were already in the works by that point and people were sort of pretending like, like they were predicting it when they knew, but yeah, like a lot of people were looking at this one going, all right, well, if this dumb sword thing's going to happen, GB versus Columbus is the perfect situation here. And they pulled it off and it was a ton of fun. GB was like, I, he was loving every second of it. Um, I've, and just so happy that he was enthusiastic about it. He seemed happy. In fact, I saw a photo earlier today. Uh, he, I believe, was at the FCC two game at Northern Kentucky University. Like this man is all in. If he did not want to be there, he would not be doing this. It reminds me of um, oh the shoot the uh, the Mexican club that Ronaldinho played for for like two seasons at the very end of his career. Um, when they came back from their suspension, having, you know, allegedly not murdered 20 people in a uh, massive fan uprising, when, when they finally allowed fans to come back into the stadium, they brought back a bunch of club legends. They tried to bring back Ronaldinho and they had to pay him $400,000 to make an appearance. <laughs> and he left at halftime. <laughs> and you know what? If GB had left at halftime, I would have respected it because... That feels like a movie would have done as well. But no, man, this guy is all bought in, and it was so great to see a club legend. Uh, good on the club for taking him out to the bars ahead of time. I mean, it was really, really good. I don't know. They, I, um, yeah. Jimmy was like, it's funny because I, I rewatched the compilation I had made of all of his goals from that season. Yeah. And it's fun to watch because watch like the celebrations. It's like GB's usually all by himself. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he definitely probably had a weird reputation in the locker room. He yeah. maybe an odd cat, as they might say. So it's funny, like how often they're like celebrating with the assist guy or or it's just like Mansa Ray, you know, that was his boy. <laughs> but um, Jimmy was loving it. And Jimmy came up to me. So I was wearing the GB shirt. He was like, oh, look at this guy. We got to get a picture. Like, I didn't even ask for the GB picture. I was going to. But they came to me. And should, Jeff Smith. Should have dressed for the photo op. I mean, you got to oh, get the picture. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've worn the GB shirt other times <laughs> to many games. So it's not like a rarity for me. Because then you always, you get the people who, you know, the, the real ones know. They're like, GB, nice. I'm like, yeah. Um, but Jeff Smith, who I'd like. First season at TQL, I came up and like shook my hand and like talked to me. I was like, he, like he knew me. And I was like, does he actually? It's like he just talking to me. Like I couldn't tell if he <laughs> knew who I was. Uh, but apparently he does know who I was because like he was like, oh no, this guy makes all sorts of stuff. And then I was like, oh yeah. Until I got a season assist from Amir. And then like he laughed about that. And then <laughs> we, we shared some laughs. He took a photo. We said, someone told him not to send it to, uh, What's her face? The head of uh, fan public relations or whatever. I will say her name. But the GB, not the GB banner, the OP banner. 
<laughs> the, the one who banned Opie, not a banner. Uh, but yeah, big success. Chief, you're going to say something? No, just it's just uh, breathing. Just yeah. breathing. No, it's, I'm, on vaca- <laughs> I'm still on vacation. So, I, uh, well, can I? Can I? Oh, you oh, go, Kevin. Then I'll have a headline for you. Please, good, well, good, I, good. I mean, I did. I did have a headline. Whoa, about- hang on, hang on. Before we get into headlines, so one real <laughs> fast one because I got uh, I got buddied real hard on Twitter from Keith Costigan because I really <laughs> wanted him to mention GB on the broadcast. <laughs> but- I found this and laughed really hard about this. <laughs> Do we know if he did or not? I didn't watch the broadcast all the way through. I went I, back. Yeah. If he mentioned it. I missed it. I was skipping around a little bit, but um, I was spelling it out and it it just dawned on me like, I yes, he's like kind of an inside joke uh, of, of a player with with the USL era fans, etc. But man, when you start spelling out what he actually meant to this club in 2017, it. It is just insane how much he did, and especially that Open Cup game where basically every game he started, we won one to nothing because of his goal. And we did that literally four times in that Open Cup run. Just insanity. He was suspended for the Red Bull game on a yellow card accumulation in a knockout tournament like that. Just (laughs) awesome. And yeah, the fact that he showed up from out of nowhere, there isn't a single person on earth that could claim, at least in Cincinnati, that could claim that they knew about him before he came here. And he just disappeared. I think he retired after FCC. And yeah, man, like that guy was awesome. And if you were, if you've become a fan of FCC in the MLS era, there's a really good chance you didn't know who GB was at all. And Hopefully you, you learned a little bit about Chibi. Hopefully you watched the goals compilation from KLR. Hopefully uh, some of these stories will, uh, is, will bring it back. Isn't it like, isn't it just a perfect story though? Like if Chibi would have stayed another year, we might've found a reason not to like him or he might right. not have performed the way he was. And it's like, there's a reason why, what is it? Like they talk about like the tropes of literature and one of the biggest tropes of literature is a stranger comes to town. Yes. It's like, yeah, that's Chibi. Like, <laughs> You know, the lone gunslinger comes in, you know, cleans the town up and then rides off into the sunset to find another group of lawless, you know, you know, badasses to, to fight. And it just, yeah, that all adds to the legend of GB and the fact that he has been gone and off the radar and nobody really knows what he's doing. It just adds to the mystique when he suddenly pops back up. Yeah. And what's funny about it is that apparently, according to some people who talked to the front office, like during all this going on, like Jeannie was genuinely moved by the <laughs> fact that people still cared. Cause when you think about how many places he's been, yeah, you know, he's a guy where he's, he's been all over the world. I think he was playing in Kazakhstan when the FC signed him, And it's like the idea that at this one spot where he was here for one year in lower division soccer in America, and he still is this beloved figure where he goes to the bars and everyone wants to take a photo with him. I don't know. That's kind of cool. It's a, it's a, it's a neat, and I, I wish you hadn't been buddied so hard by the announcer, because this is the kind of story <laughs> that you would think MLS would love to tell. Right. That there's, yes. there is more to FC Cincinnati than even you know, if you are a fan that just became aware of this team when they joined MLS. 
it's very annoying that the storyline of FCC is, man, they joined the league really, really bad, and now they're good. And it's like, no, you're missing the first part where we were really, really good, and then we're bad, and then we're back to being good. Like, an MLS expansion team from scratch doesn't survive three last place finishes and a pandemic with this fan base. Like, there is history before that, and GB is one of the best examples of that. So, uh, Jonah, I think you said you, you found a headline somewhat about this. Well, I did. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I do want to say just oh, the bill, big game energy. Yes. You could feel it. I don't know how big the march was. I won't say why, but my peripheral vision was not the best on the march. <laughs> but it felt like a lot of people. It was pretty and big. <laughs> there was... You know, you had the nervous belly all day. I mean, I woke up with it. I went to bed with it. It's yep. one of those you wake up with that feeling in your stomach. And I don't think it matters if we're good or Columbus is bad or whatever it is. It's not about having confidence. It's just about the game itself. Yeah. And after, you know, I'm not skipping ahead, but after the game, the Columbus fans might have, they didn't exist. It was like a poofed. I didn't, not because I couldn't hear yes. them. I just yes. like, you're so unconcerned with <laughs> that part of the rivalry and you're just like marinating in your own joy juice, uh, which is a great phrase. Uh, but I did read this in uh, the Columbus Dispatch. Tears of a clown, local podcaster turns to nostalgic puddle of emotions as GB returns to Cincinnati. Chief, I was telling uh, Kevin as we walked back to Northern Road that I got legitimately, legitimately emotional as when GB came out to pull that fucking sword out. And I don't, I like told my wife, she's like, that's what gets you emotional. I'm like, I want to say you don't understand, but like she was there for it too. But I'm like, you don't understand. Uh, even though you've been my children, with, nothing. Yeah. GB with a sword. Choked up. Yeah. But like I compared it to like a camp girlfriend. You didn't think you'd ever see again or something. And yeah. I had like a, a, you know, a brief thing with an Italian exchange student. And I was like, Oh, I'm never going to see you again. Six years later, I'm working at the airport. I take a trip to Italy and I see it's like you saw a ghost. It's just it's an overwhelming <laughs> feeling. And GB was so off the radar that when he came out to, and which is funnier, I felt more emotional when he came out on the field than like right. when I saw him in person and just how excited everybody was. He looked so happy. He really worked it with that sword. I like predicted to my wife, like he's going to accidentally hurt somebody. And then he was like doing like the stabby things. With it. I was like, yes, GB. And uh, it was just it was just fantastic to see. He looked like a million bucks, but he hasn't aged a day. Since no. he left the team, he actually might look a little better than he did like right at the end. So yeah. whatever he's doing, keep it up. So it's good to see that he's not like fat Ronaldo. He is keeping it together. Very yeah, he, definitely looked like he, he could have put a shift in. Yeah. You know, we're down a striker. Why not? That would have been electric content. GB oh. gets in for one final one minute run. Oh. He's crafty. Allegedly, the LA Galaxy acquired in 2017 uh, that summer as to what it would take. If there was, they were kicking the tires on GB and it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> been incredible. I, I did see a headline on this as well, because, you know, I found out and uh, I did some research, extensive research. Uh, did you know FC Cincinnati is 2-0 versus the Columbus crew when GB takes the field for any portion of the pregame mm. or game itself? Wow. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but... I saw this in the uh, the Tampa Tribune down here. And when they say the party's over, then we'll bring it right back. FCC travel agent gets shivers at the thought of flying GB back again for hell is real redo 
in the open cup. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's I possible. Bring, you got to bring him back sm- if we play again, right? Yeah. <laughs> Birding strikes me as a suspicious, not superstitious kind of guy. So yeah. if he if he thinks about it, he might have to. Look, I found the cheapest one I saw looked like about 1200 bucks. So it's doable. And like I, when there was talk of flight trouble before, I, was, I wasn't joking. I was like, put up a GoFundMe. If FCC is not going to pay for it, we will. Right. We'll raise that money. <laughs> Quite quickly, I'm I'm sure of that. <laughs> oh God! Well, are we ready to talk about the game? Is there anything else in the pregame? I I will co-sign the butterflies, the not wanting to lose. Absolutely. I'm going to throw this out there. If there's a better photo that has ever been taken in FC Cincinnati history than Opie and GB in the same in the same picture, <laughs> just shut it down. Like if that would have been like, you know what? you've been a lovely audience we're out no more fc cincinnati i could have that could have been a season finale or a series finale for soccer in cincinnati right there i do i do now remember there's one other piece to this somebody at northern row got away with a pretty good souvenir because last time opie came out i was really mad at myself for not having candy cigarettes to pass Mm. out for opie (laughs) And this game, uh, earlier that morning, I found myself at a sort of boutique candy shop, and son of a gun, they were selling candy cigarettes. So I bought a couple packs of candy cigarettes, had them in a brown bag. I was ready to hand them out as Opie's handler. And uh, when when we got where GB was here, I think I jumped up from the table and sprinted away so fast, I uh, totally forgot about the bag. I asked somebody to go back and get the bag for me. It was gone. They were stolen. If I was not able to hand out loose candy cigarettes for Opie. Jeez. So you had to go buy real Trinity cigarettes right and hand those yeah. out. Instead. Hey, we don't want to leave the kids empty-handed, right? So. <laughs> Opie also got caught uh, going back to his wife's car in the crew <laughs> march into the stadium. You know, there's a there's a video matriculating, uh, but that was that was interesting. And then I, I he, Opie tried not to do too many air jerk offs. There was a lot of children, but Opie may have <laughs> he may have done a, a one or two air jerks on those uh, traveling crew fans. But uh, by the time I got in there the barley was fucking packed wall to wall. You know, nobody wanted to be the last one in there. So that was good to see a full wall, full stadium except for the, the super bougie side. Yeah. They spent a lot of time inside getting food. <laughs> they were the <laughs> slowest to get. I was like, guys, come on. Let's go. Like GB's coming. We had uh, Eric Nally, Foxy Shazam do the anthem, which, uh, it's kind of wild. Yeah. <laughs> he, he stayed on key. It was about exactly what I expected, but I, some people I don't think were aware of his musical stylings and were a little perplexed, but a little confused. Yeah, he's a local though, so you got yeah. We're embracing uh, all things Cincinnati. Stylistic for sure. Yeah, <laughs> you got to. But there was a game. Own. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, before the game, we've got the. Uh, I mean, just eventually we'll talk about the game. No, we've got the the lineups come out. It was Celentano <laughs> and goal, of course. The backline of Mosquera, Miazga, Haglid, no surprises there. Barrial on the left, Ray Gaddis getting the start after we heaped all the praise on Alvis Powell and declared him the starter. Uh, Gaddis got the start. Moreno, Woboto, and Acosta in midfield, and Vasquez Mbaji up top. Uh, Brenner did not dress for this one. Santos was still out. And that's all the strikers. So it is Tom Baji uh, uh, up top there. And man, like 
from the start, I think in the first five minutes, Vasquez had an insane opportunity. I He had a lot more time than he thought on that one. Gets the ball just about the penalty spot and immediately pings it off of Viasia, of course, of all people, <laughs> who had jumped in front of him to, to deflect the shot. And just from the jump, you could tell that, like, FCC was feeling it. And there's always the question of, like, do the players care? Like, if you're, you know, Dom Baji or, or, or Woboto, like, other than the little beef you might have with them from the games last year, you don't care about this game that much, right? But I, I do think that the atmosphere in the stadium brought an extra edge to this game from the beginning, from both sides. And our our guys absolutely were playing that way. Um, I, I did see a yeah. headline about Please. that um, in terms of the crowd, the atmosphere, the videos that you've seen going around uh, the, uh, the barley jumping and dancing in unison. This was in the, um, uh, the, the, the Yorkshire times here uh, covering FC Cincinnati. <laughs> I need you Bailey. Come on, set the tone. If you like us scoring, won't you let us know? Sing players request of fan base. <laughs> so P- Paul Rogers finally <laughs> thought we did a good enough job. He's, He's like, like, you know what? Slow pretty- clap. You match the Houston Dynamo crowd of your. <laughs> finally, are up to their level. Uh, yeah, I feel like yeah. they have to feel it. You know, right, right. if everyone's making a big deal out of something, you, you can let. You, Especially if you're an athlete, there's no reason for you to go against the tide. You know, you got to let it carry you, let it push you a little bit. And, there's also little um, things that they that you probably notice as a player too. That like, okay, there's a huge traveling fan base on the other side. You see yeah. that. You see the crowd in there early, and even if you don't give a shit about the game, otherwise it's just another game on the schedule. You realize once you get down there on the field. I would have to think you realize there's more going on with this one than just an average normal MLS game. Yeah. It also helps, too, that this year, more than last year, I think, we had a lot of guys who played last year. So there's that carryover. And especially that crew game at home was pretty devastating to to give up that two-goal lead and, and to give up that late goal there. Um, yeah, I do hope there was at least some internal motivation. But yeah, the, the fan base was on point. And man, I, uh, I know I retweeted it. Jeremy Miller on Twitter had an awesome video of the Bailey. I know we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but um, just the unison on the Shalala, I think it's after the second goal, is on par with some of the best stuff I've seen in Europe of South America, like the Bailey was legit. And I do want to say too, of all the people who want a fan base or a fan culture that looks more like England, look at that video and tell me which premier league team is doing that. And I'll, I'll go along with you, but you're not going to find. I also think a few more games like that, a big game where we score goals. Yeah. That's like something that, not to the extent that it's in the barley, but I feel like it could. I feel like, especially yeah. last night, they do it every game we score. I th- could see it bleeding. Yes. Bleeding over to the other sections. Maybe not the Carl Lindner side, but the other sections. <laughs> I mean, I saw in this video, you know, there were some people. Yeah. A smattering. 
But I mean, if that becomes a thing, like, come on, like watch uh, Enter Sandman. Is that Virginia Tech before yeah. the games? I mean, yeah. it's all students. But like <laughs> when you have a whole stadium jumping, then, you know, you're really going to get some fucking uh, you're going to be in ML- every MLS PR video for the next five years, which yeah. I know isn't the goal. But like I could see that being a thing that carries over to the rest of the crowd. And that would be pretty, pretty cool. It's I'm pretty started, but I'll join. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is worth pointing out, though, that like, OK, this was a big game. Yeah, one of the biggest games they've played at TQL Stadium in history. But as you get further in the season, if you're still competing for Supporter Shield, every game mm-hmm. takes on this level of magnitude. So, yeah, there's no reason why it can't be hype like this all the time there, especially if the team is good. And like once the fan base starts to really dial in on the fact like, hey, and I think it's starting to get out there now where. They've won eight straight home games now, I think. Yeah. And they've only lost one game on the season. They're in first place. And the further along this goes, I just know Cincinnati sports. And there's nothing Cincinnati sports loves more than jumping on the bandwagon for a winner. And once that effect and that phenomenon starts happening, yeah, I mean, I think you're going to see a lot of this sort of stuff spread. And I think that'll be really cool when that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. And Jonah, to your point, the Shalala part feels very easy to translate you know just do the uh the waving arms with it and scream shalala yeah, or just jump. yeah like that <clears throat> that can pick up and even just the arm movements and yeah jumping moving a scarf around like if enough people are doing that in unison it spreads and it's awesome to uh, chief's point i yeah. did see i feel like it's already kind of happening because i saw a decent amount of bangles gear Mm. and just like people who are like <laughs> like i'm gonna go to this game and it's like a commitment like if the, you know this is the big game like i'm gonna go to this one and if you don't have season tickets like you're spending 200 yeah. bucks to sit in the lower bowl you're spending 80 bucks to sit in the bailey so i and the reds are already you know you could probably write them off already <laughs> so i mean i feel like <laughs> i can feel the casualness and i don't mean this is a bad thing coming back in a way that it was with the USL team, especially if we keep winning, like you said, people are going to be happily uh, jumping on the bandwagon. But there yeah. was one other thing with all those crew fans. I don't know if you guys saw. Mm. I don't want to spoil it for you before no, I say please. it, but this was from uh, this is an article on the Airbnb's website. I don't know if you saw this. Oh. Five star super host FCC sets aside two full rows to fit Morgan Hughes' ego. So I thought that was a pretty <laughs> nice thing for them to do. <laughs> Don't know if you saw that plastic netting they had over the first two rows. Oh, I love um, the netting. Mary was like, what's that for? I was like, I don't care if it's for no reason. I think it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> it just looked, it made their section look kind of uncomfortable. So uh, I mean, we'll see what talking, they do to us. While we're talking about Mr. Hughes, I mean, he was a big topic of conversation in the media because I saw this headline in the um, Singer Songwriter Weekly. Um, <laughs> lame tweets, stale hate, acting like a snowflake. Fight's gone, games end, struggling for relevance. Long night, he's strange, man. Morgan Hughes forced to acknowledge FCC as the A-team in local rivalry. Hey, I love it. There was uh, there was another tweet he was responding to later, but uh, a Nordeka fan basically saying, we need to get our heads out of our asses if we want to be matching elite atmospheres like Cincinnati's. And I was like, oh, yeah. Mm. 
You're going to have to admit it. <laughs> um, this headline from Topeco Sportsbook. No, I was kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I forget what that I don't remember what that website was already. That's a weird name. Uh, uh, we can, we, it's been too long already, uh, Kevin. We've got to talk about these we, goals, huh? Well, not just the goals, but we got to talk about Lucho, the man who was up yes. for it, like yes. I've never seen. And I rewatched the first 30 minutes. It wasn't as crazy as it felt watching it live, mm-hmm. but it seemed like Lucho was on in a way that you always want him to be on, but he's not always on. And I think yes. even Noonan said, like, you know, when he's up for it, <laughs> it's kind of like giving up the game there. But like he was up for it. He was on fucking uh, God mode for the first 30 minutes. It seemed like he could do no wrong. And when you have that on your side, you feel like you're going to win the game because his tricks were coming off. He was sprinting around the field and it was just the first 25, let's say, minutes was just a glorious thing to behold for me. It it really was incredible. Uh, Matt Doyle put it really well, actually, I thought, in his like weekend recap article where he said Shield winners can do two things. One, they can impose their style of play on the other team. And two, uh, when, <laughs> when push comes to shove, they can desperately out-talent teams. And to his point, we have struggled with point number one. But with point number two, Lucho has absolutely been that man even if he has to do it single-handedly just desperately out talenting other teams he was on fire he was chasing guys back he was winning balls like in deep in our defensive third he was all over for this one and man it was it was a sight to behold he I mean, the the third and final goal from FCC uh, is very much a product of this, but he he was a, a man possessed in this one. It was so much fun. So, so I did see a headline about Lucho Acosta. This was in Guitar Center magazine. Um, when I saw you scoring those goals, looking so beautiful, I don't deserve this. Lucho looks perfect scoring two goals and facilitating a third. <laughs> I have a question for you though, Kevin, Please. as the soccer expert on this podcast. Explain to me like I'm an idiot and I don't understand this sport. How can Lucho look so dominant for the first 25 minutes of this game and then switch off for the better part of 40 to 50 minutes and all the magic is just gone? What happens? What goes on in this game? And if the answer is just, it's Lucho, eh, I suppose that's okay. But like, why is that? How can he go from looking like he's going to score 30 goals to just disappearing for long stretches of the game? So it's a good question. I attempted to rewatch this to answer this question. I didn't come up with a, a good definitive answer. I do think an interesting thing Columbus did is... They were trying to match us beat for beat in the beginning. Like they were playing very open and it was not working. We were destroying them when they they sort of pulled further back and they started possessing the ball more. And by holding on to the ball more, just by nature, they kept the ball out of Acosta's feet and he just wasn't able to be as effective. Acosta is still running around, but like his defensive effort is never his primary responsibility and they were being slower with it and most of their good opportunities through that 
that middle 30 minutes, 40 minutes or so of the match where Columbus, frankly, dominated the the game, the flow of the game then. Um, they were hitting us on the break. They would we would win the ball off of them deep in their third one missed pass wouldn't happen and they would break. And that's, I think that's how they score their first goal. And this is great because we haven't talked about the first two goals, but it was Lucho attempts a back No look pass that yeah. gets intercepted. And that's what ends that up springing the, the counterattack to score. So I, I think it's that they sat back. They, they, possessed more they invited us out invited us out invited us out and broke on the counter that's my answer i'm not confident in it but i think that's what they were doing so it's just it's 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 interesting to me so like lucho's first goal it's bodgy coming down it's like the classic mls goal that gets scored on us all the time our first three seasons in mls where somebody takes the ball to the end line cuts it back and there's somebody wide open in the middle of the box, which is basically a tap in goal. And it was beautiful. It was a clean composed finish. Um, And then what I loved about what FC Cincinnati was doing was that they just, they kept their foot on the accelerator after scoring a goal. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this team too many times score a goal and then get content that they have the lead and have to absorb pressure for the next five to 10 minutes or 20 minutes and within a few minutes, they are already back on a counter. They are possessing the ball. And then you blink and Lucho standing at the spot for a PK. Yeah. I love that. I just wish that after that PK would have happened, happened, I wish they would have kept doing that. And they let Columbus after that happen. I know they had the goal that was called back that Vasquez scored. That was an unbelievable one time best goal of the night <laughs> right but it just felt like they went they went asleep at the switch in yeah. a game that was looking like it was going to be a five goal at five oh five one type game yeah and yeah the the montreal game as well who was a team that had you know as we talked about one seven in a row before facing us or whatever it was um and we were able to do that the three nothing victory where it never really looked like montreal was going to threaten the first 20 minutes of this game that's what you're thinking like holy shit man we we're gonna win this one four to nothing five to one and this is gonna be this is gonna be devastating to them um but no it didn't end up happening that way Baji, uh and i will say for both of these goals i i will i will put my hand up i will offer a written apology if requested uh i said after the open cup game against new york city that Baji wasn't very good uh, at being a striker anymore and my god am i eating my words right now uh he was also playing as a man possessed easily his best game uh as an fcc player in the first goal which does happen right around the 15th minute um as you said sprints to the end line with the ball cuts it back my favorite bit though is it's all of his momentum sends him right over the advertising board behind the goal. <laughs> he is fully committed. He's throwing his body on the line for this one. And I, I have to point out, uh, Lucho has a sort of late run into the box to score that. If he doesn't make the run, I'm pretty sure we still score because it almost looks like Lucho 
steals the ball from Vasquez as he scores. Vasquez is right there waiting to receive the ball. And Lucho you got to take it if you're Lucho. You got to take it. There's no, don't take any chances. No. If you see that, you take it. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm glad he did, especially given what Vasquez had done earlier. And yeah. then, yeah, I do think in chief, I, to your point, we didn't let up. That first Shalala chant from the Bailey was so fire. I feel like it was prepared this team forward and that is exactly right Baji wins the penalty right inside the box I I think I'd be a little mad if I was a crew fan but it was a clear foul um I, I could see an argument for it being a little soft but no it, it, it was a penalty for me just because it makes the it's more humorous that Baji sells all out for the assists and causes goal number one and then draws a PK immediately afterwards, yeah. just knowing all the Dom Baji takes that are out there where he's like, Shh, I'm gonna shut you guys the fuck up. <laughs> yes. Rivalry game. I'm gonna be responsible for two of these goals right in the first half. <laughs> also, it's one of those times where he's if he doesn't go down, he's one on one with the keeper. Yes. So you'd like to imagine, I know it's not always the case, that if he didn't really get contacted. He's not going down there, you'd hope, because like, like I said, he's one on one with the goalie, so right. he's got a good chance of scoring. So uh, I'm an FCC fan, so I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he wasn't just looking to win a penalty. Because if you're a striker in the situation, you should be just as pleased to be one on one with the goalie. Although he had that chance later in the game, and he took two extremely heavy touches and lost yes. it. Like it was almost an identical we're not spot talk, on the we're field. We're not going to talk about that. We're we're, yeah. <laughs> we're basking in the body love right now. But uh, but I was like, so like oh, like retroactively, I'm like PK, nice. Um, but when did he have? He also had a curling shot. Yes, that was I, saved. That was a pretty good look. Was that in the? I feel like I can picture it in the first half as well. But I don't know if that preceded our first Before goal. We, before we get too far off the the PK though, oh please, I do want to point out um, Grace is not here. He would say we are a process oriented podcast. We are. <laughs> Lucho scored. It was another not great PK. <laughs> it was another PK where the keeper absolutely had a fifty fifty chance of saving this PK. If he would have died the other way, that's an easy save. It wasn't. It wasn't a tough PK. But like I said to yeah. Grayson, if I had bikes, bikes, well, I can't even say my own phrase. If I had wheels, I'd be a bike. <laughs> There's no way of knowing. It's uh, what is Schrodinger's cat. We won't know. It's because um, yeah. a lot of PKs that are scored from the angle, you can't tell first. They are right down the middle once the guy dives. So you assume when it's a good penalty taker, he saw him going that way. It's like, all right, I'll just fucking blast it right down the middle. So I don't know. I'd like to ask Lucho if he was just, you'd like to think that he saw him jumping that way. And that's why. So you, if you say like, well, if the keeper would have just stood there, I'd like to believe he wouldn't have kicked it in the same spot, <laughs> but we'll never know. I also didn't see it until that night because I sat in my seat and faced the other direction as the rest of the crowd stood. And I waited for them to react because I was like, I just don't want to, I don't need to see this. And then like, I hugged my wife. I said, is it, was it close? And she said, no, he dove. I was like, oh, okay. And then, then I was on and then I could celebrate. I didn't have to wait for VAR on that one. Although it was it was pandemonium when we're up two nothing in twenty minutes. It was 
just insane. Like I said, the videos coming out of the Bailey and the stadium after that goal is just unbelievable. Some of the best stuff uh, we've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> you can probably hear it in my voice. If you're a regular listener, I've I've lost some of it as well. That was that was exciting. And then, of course, as as Chief alluded to, the game absolutely went Columbus's way for the the last 10, 15 minutes of uh of the first half and the first 10, 15 minutes of the second half. It was it was a suboptimal performance there, but And I did see a headline about how please. the game switch this was on um ed sheeran fans.com uh every time you dribble down you know i can't say no every 50 50 ball i let you take control fcc bad habits let columbus dominate midfield in second half nice it was so easy concert theme with your headlines (laughs) i think they're all independent of each other i can't imagine where these were all from what was inspiring all this could be anything could be anything could be it could be a boat um no it was infuriating to watch this just because for from about the 30 minute mark until the game tied it just looked like columbus wanted the 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 want the give a shit a meter was running hotter for columbus they Mm -hmm. were quicker to every second ball um, and the, the, the FC did the, that thing and I don't know what, what causes it, but it did that thing where they get pinned and they can't string two passes together to yeah. get the ball into the Columbus attacking third and just get a little bit of possession just to break the flow of the game up. And I don't know. It's just, you watch it and it, it, it was another game where it felt like they were in desperate need of the halftime whistle to avoid giving up a second goal in the first half. Yeah. There's also the momentum killer that was uh, Vasquez's ruled offside goal. It was an incredible Clearly goal. offside. It was clearly it was offside to on the replay. Though. Yeah. I haven't it, seen any lines. I just want to say. <laughs> you would have had to draw a really fucked up line <laughs> to keep that play onside. It'd be easy we to can bait. do it. We've got the people. Columbus we can make that yeah. happen. We'll call Alan Cox. We'll get that guy moved back a couple paces. <laughs> we, we have the technology, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that that the you know the disallowed goal being the lone bright spot in there is rough. Uh, then what are we at? Thirty eighth, thirty ninth minute. Haglin loses his man. His man being Lucas Zellerayon, one of the best players in the league. Uh, Cucho Hernandez, as as previously discussed, it was a counter uh, started from a misplayed back heel from Lucho. It did go out for a throw, but that throw, the ensuing throw, has uh, Cucho take the ball, dribble through two defenders, and cross it to a, uh, a sadly wide-open Lucas Elarayon scores. Nothing Celentano can do. You really squeezed tell. it through, too. Yeah. The pass. It was a... It was a tight window. <laughs> it was a good play. Like these, yeah. these two guys are collectively making like whatever it is, $10 million this year. They're very good players doing this. And yeah, they, they, we got punished for it. It was a bummer. Um, and Columbus, Columbus yeah. fans were 
I thought they were, I don't, you don't want to play this game because it's hard to say because yeah. how you sound at when we travel or something, but I effectively felt like we had murdered them. Yeah. <laughs> like I, there, there was nothing. I mean, there's obviously it's hard to cheer about your team on the road when you're down two goals, you know, you yeah. keep it going. It drones down. We've, we've been there in Columbus in <laughs> yes. that situation, basically. <laughs> we've been there and in a lot of stadiums. Plenty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like with that five huge nil to Louisville, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Ooh. When you have a huge group and just effectively neutered them and we just, we gave them life too. And they could feel erupt and you could see, Crew fans, you didn't know were even in the stadium all of a sudden, like yeah. whack a mole, just like pop up in first financial, like, hey, where the fuck were they? <laughs> like, oh, you were really quiet. And then all of a sudden, these guys stand up with a yellow scarf, like, ah, oh, fuck. And uh, that's just sad because, barring that NYCFC disaster the other year, you assume three goals for all the foibles we have, yeah. we would have locked it down. You know, yeah, maybe not, but like, you feel like that would have killed the game. Also, the I don't know what his I don't know what his name is. He played for Columbus, and I don't give a shit. The, after that goal, that basket that, that was waved off on the broadcast, they cut to a close-up shot of the keeper for Columbus, and he looked shook. Yeah. After that third goal, like that guy was seeing twenty-two people on the field playing for FC Cincinnati in that moment and that goal getting waved off. You feel like that, like if they score that third goal right there, th- I think there's every chance that Columbus just packs it in at that point. And that was like a huge, huge momentum moment. And what sucks too about it is that it leads to the fact that that would have changed the flow of the game significantly. And as it was, Columbus went right back to pressuring and I can't even fault Hagelin for losing his man. Like they were defending Cincinnati was defending on its back foot for the better part of 10 minutes, 15 minutes leading up to that goal. And yeah. you knew it was coming. You just didn't know who the goat would be. And it just happened to be Hagland in that moment. But it could have easily been Mascara or Miazga just with the relentless pressure that was coming from Columbus at this point. Yeah. And Kucha He's- had to beat the entire left side of the defense to get the pass off. And he did. You yeah. see Viasia style on Hagland. Was that Hagland? He like oh. step over and burned by him. I was like, damn, he is like <laughs> mascara. <laughs> I'm not a racist. They are similar players. <laughs> uh, and he looked decent, I should say, about Viasia. Like I, I was telling uh, Kevin that like, you know, I was like had like was giving him s- side eyes he didn't do anything he was just <laughs> we <laughs> traded him <laughs> and now right. he's on columbus so i don't need to say fuck you to Vicia, but uh, so this yeah. game goes this game goes to half with columbus up or well, uh, trailing 2-1 was i the only person that was thinking to myself given how columbus had held the ball had applied pressure i would have thought about bringing albus powell on at the half mm-hmm. just me i I kind of expected something, but I will give credit to Noonan and the team. They stuck with their game plan. It wasn't beautiful to start the second half, but they didn't panic. They they trusted themselves and eventually they see out the victory to be clear but I, with alvis right with alvis and kubo getting an assist within 50 seconds of stepping on the field um, yeah but uh 
Yeah, they both come on at the exact same time and we immediately score. Who's to say? Um, no, what I, was Columbus's I, yeah. second goal? I'm trying to... I can't, I'm... Uh, second goal. I can't picture it oh, off the top of my it head. Was, um, I forget who had the first shot, but um, it it was a great... Uh, reaction saved by Celentano uh, yeah. bounces off his chest. Uh, he couldn't. He didn't have a chance to get his arm, even his hands up. By the time he, he blocks it with his chest, and it just happened to bounce right into the path of their yeah, it left was, it was, winger. It was very. It. We'll talk about why this doesn't matter for Roman's overall grade for the game as we get to the end of the game. This was a yeah. Vermeer like moment for Celentano. It's how dare you? Know, you? How dare I you, sir? Dare. I do dare. <laughs> And I have it wasn't thing, a drop, though. Call me crazy if you're if you can get your hands to the ball, you should catch the ball as a goalkeeper. I have no time for people that still rebounds as a goalkeeper. Get the ball. I will you have one job you. to do. I will agree with you, except this one did come off of his chest. But get your hands up. You can use your hands. You don't have to use your chest. Get your fucking hands up. Vermeer was doing the thing where he would push the ball into the exact one spot you wouldn't want him to push the ball. Yeah, from further away. Yeah. So the ball was slower. Yeah, I think I yeah, I think he could have done. Yeah, I don't think he could have caught it, but it did look like, you know, hindsight. Maybe he could have gotten it off to the side a little more, but that's, you know, that might be asking a lot. It did look like he got blasted in his chest, and I did not think the announcer said dropped, that he dropped it. I was like, you got to catch it to drop it, man. <laughs> it was like, it's bounced right. off. And, but yes, it was Vermeer flashbacks. Watch those Vermeer ones again. Those were much worse. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just crazy how like history was repeating itself. And I don't yeah. know about you guys, but 2 2 was inevitable to me. Like I had. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm not to be a fatalist, but I saw 2-2. I didn't think that meant we couldn't win, but I was like, all right, they're going to tie this game, especially the way this second half started. And then it was like, what do we do after that? So yeah. we got that over with and <laughs> we can move on. And we, it's, yeah, it, it, it was one of those things where, again, uh, going back to Chief's point about the, the give a shit meter there is as soon as it was tied up, it was like we got first half FCC back. I was like, oh, right. this team's back. Great. And right. yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because this team has done this a couple of times this year where it's like, all right, now we got to try again. Like that Houston yes. Dynamo yes. game where it's like, okay, they're winning, they're winning, they're winning. Oh, nope. Now we got to work harder again. Like, and I guess you would say that's the sign of a championship team is that when they need the goal, yeah, they tend to get the goal like against the Chicago Fire, where they're getting their brains kicked in. Lucha comes on the field and it's like, all right, guys, time to do this. Um, and they go and they do what they need to get the point out of that game, um, which is cool. I wish they would just play like that. I would. Why can't you build the entire airplane out of the black box? Uh, why can't you play this way the entire time? But um, but no, it, they 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 get relentless again. They bring Kubo on which I thought was a great sort of like, okay, we need some firepower to go win this game. We need some better pressure going forward. Kubo's kind of a chaos agent. And as soon as they bring him on, then, well, game happens. <laughs> yeah, Lucho doing his best Brenner impression, chases down Cruz, 22-year-old goalkeeper, uh, forces him into a really bad play. Uh, again, Vasquez, to me, the, the story of 
the night is Vasquez's bad luck. Like he did everything mostly right. It was just a little bit, you know, sabotaged along the way. Uh, it, Lucha wins the ball, passes it to Vasquez. Vasquez sets up Kubo for an awesome assist right at the penalty spot. And Kubo lays it off for Junior Moreno to blast it home, stealing Vasquez of the assist. I know he'll get the, the MLS assist. assist, but it did feel like he did most of the work in firing that ball in there. And um, yeah, Junior Moreno getting the goal on this one. I did see this headline about this uh, particular sequence of play. And this was in um, Ginger Musician World Magazine. <laughs> I'll just keep on making the same mistakes. Columbus goalkeeper caught thinking out loud right before critical second half turnover. <laughs> it was. Did Vasquez try to chip him in this game? No, that was last game. No. Are you sure? That... <sighs> if there was a chip, I missed it. No, there definitely wasn't a chip. I would have seen that. Or I might, might not have. The concert was electric, so that might have been the part when I was... <laughs> there were fireworks shooting off. He plays in the center of the field at the 50-yard line. Uh, very cool. Much. Um, I also read this about Lucho after this. Uh, this was in the Bible. This was in Isaiah <laughs> chapter 41. <laughs> Anyone who opposes... <laughs> you, know, you know this one, Chief. Right. Chapter 41's a doozy. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain for those who tried to conquer you. Those who attack you will come to nothing, for I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, Lucho. I mean, that's got to be the next Tifa, right? It's just that on text, and it's Gary holding Lucho's hand. Boy, uh, Pablo Maurer is going to just fucking flip out. He's like, ah, it's about Lucho, which I like, but it's about God, which I hate. Uh, Patrick Schulte is the goalkeeper. We should shit on him, you know? I want to know. I want you to hear his name. (laughs) Say his name. Patrick Schulte. Patrick. Schulte, which I guess Eloy Room is out. I honestly have not been paying that close attention. He started 10 games, so I guess he's their keeper. He's uh, 22 years old. Generation Adidas guy. Eloy Room, knee injury out until early June, according to this website I'm looking at. Read the room, guys. There was one more. uh, This headline was from Good Housekeeping. It runs in the family. Lucho's son overheard saying, I like my little tricks as he eats breakfast cereal of the same name. So <laughs> they both like their little the tricks, tricks are for kids. There was yeah. a moment, I think it was in the first half though, where uh, Lucho, there was an attempted nutmeg on Lucho and Lucho absolutely shuts it down in it's the like, corner. No, 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 no. You, you, can't, you can't pull my tricks on me. He's, he's seen that one before. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so 67th minute, we are winning uh, three to one, and it is game on at that point. It was a fairly three even two. battle, or three two, sorry, three excuse two. me. Uh, fairly even battle. Uh, I thought uh, FCC certainly had plenty of chances there, but to me, the storyline of the end of the game is Roman Celentano standing on his head, as they say, 
in keeping this one a win for the good guys. I don't know. I imagine there so, was a headline out there, but maybe not. <laughs> before we get to the headlines Please. on this, I just I just want to say um, this was way more nerve wracking the end of this game than it had to be because look, they finished the game up. And there is no doubt in my mind that 2022 FC Cincinnati concedes and it's a 3-3 tie. It's just a Mm -hmm. difference between this year and last year. It comes down mostly to talent, I think, this year versus the talent we got on this team last year. Having said that, they allowed Columbus to dictate play for the entirety of stoppage time. I don't think they had the ball. If there was six minutes of stoppage time that was actually played of soccer, I don't think they had the ball for more than 40 seconds, 30 or 40 seconds of the stoppage time. They kept conceding set pieces. Um, it was about as badly managed a stoppage time as you can have where you still end up on the right side of the result. And just that has got to change. Like, And it happens too often with this team, even right now, where they do not see a game out. Like, when was the last time you saw an FC Cincinnati player take the ball to the corner flag and kill off mm-hmm. 30, 40 seconds? It's just... That tool, that club needs to be, to be in the bag for this team because they did need a heroic performance from Roman Celentano to win this game. Yeah. And that's not yeah. going to be there every time. No. You would think Lucho is that guy, too. Well, we took him with off. All his, with all his little tricks. Yeah. Uh, which was scary. They also, I told Kevin this, they called Zellerion's name when they made a sub over the loudspeakers and i was like it was like five minutes yeah. le- it was like eighty fifth minute it was a mistake yeah. <laughs> but like i thought they were subbing him off and i was like this is incredible and um i will say they never gave zellerion a free kick in like right outside the box where i would just have assumed it was going in he had we had they had a lot of basically like short corners yeah or like right inside the final third which were dangerous obviously they almost scored but yeah they never gave him that one look that killer look and I also wish we had Sergio Santos yep. for that ending. Mm-hmm. It also would have helped. But yes, I it felt like they let the crew for all of stoppage time, they let their center backs come all the way basically to the edge of the final third and pick yeah. their pass out. Yeah. And I was like, just send one guy out. Like there was no pressure on the ball, which I get yeah. being behind the ball. But at some point, it's a 50-50 game if you're letting them dictate where the ball's going and you know then we give up that foul that and it almost cost us but i'm surprised there wasn't 10 minutes of stoppage i know there wasn't supposed to be but i just <laughs> right. was like ready for any number it felt just like yeah it felt, right. like, it it felt like the stoppage time was going to be until columbus scores that's how much stoppage time there's going to be in this game yeah. that takes yeah. 10 minutes that takes 20 um i did see a headline about the key moment in this game and this was in um this was from user Ed Sheeran is the best for 2069 on Reddit. <laughs> I'll save it when it kicks in. Winning game is in Roman Solentano's bloodstream as late heroics preserve FCC victory. And if there's anyone that's listening yeah. to this that's an Ed Sheeran fan, just, you know. You're welcome. What are you doing listening to this podcast? <laughs> it's the same person who knew that uh, Bible verse that I quoted. Yeah. So they're <laughs> just like, wow, this is the episode for me. Like there was also one right now. I listen for Broadway references. Not <laughs> I know. All right. Peter singer songwriter. Grayson's on a retreat right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> a, a darkness retreat. So we'll see. Hell is real straight into a dark, dark uh, hut. 
Aaron Rodgers style. Uh, uh, Celentano's save, man. That that you know, star man jump. Uh, it worked out well. It got the got the Paul on it, and it was funny too. I was going back trying to find that one, and I kept seeing all of his other saves, all of the other ones where he had to come out of his box and grab a a cross off of someone's forehead. It was like, damn, he hit some he, good jumps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then National Geographic, I don't know if you saw this. They said, "I'm deathly allergic." Celentano swipes it on field B and accidentally makes the save of the year. So <laughs> it was just a little. Yeah. It's one of those ones like if that goes in, you're like, come on, Celentano. But when you save it, you're like, save it the fucking year, baby. Somehow, uh, somehow not a my girl reference there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the most traumatizing scenes for young Jonah. Everyone like, what? <laughs> what? If, if you're of a certain age, that looks like your first brush with the ephemeralness of life or just like I'm not ready for this man at his yeah. casket. Yeah. <laughs> like the road, the coyote always gets up. What the fuck? <laughs> the home alone kids fucking dead. What the hell is going on? <laughs> Doesn't he have an extra life or something? Oh, video games aren't real. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, I, don't, I don't know if you saw this from the New York times, uh, mm. silencing the crowd. Caleb Porter shushes his wife while trying to watch Hell is Real on the couch. So that was a pretty good one. Do you think <laughs> Caleb like... Porter watched? <laughs> Who's he rooting just for? Him, just him doing the oh, Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the television. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably signing his contract to become a, an assistant coach for the U.S. men's national team. So oh, what I'm a penis sure. head. Is he friends with Marsh? Does he I have don't... that tree? They're all know. friends. I'm saying they're all buddies. Right. He was the Olympic like, we're, coach we're, for a while. We're getting rid of one mafia that controls U.S. soccer and replacing it with <laughs> a new mafia that controls U.S. soccer. Yeah. We've, yeah. we've lost the uh, the North Carolina mafia. We're, we're getting the Princeton mafia. So <laughs> it's, it's all one circle. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I made it two feet off the ground, that final whistle. Yeah. I was, that was definitely my celebration, obviously, of the year. Yeah. And the crowd, you know, the crowd hung out for a while. Obviously, the Barley, they all hung out for quite a while, but it was just, and they were so excited, you know, you know, you're used to those old complaints like they didn't, they didn't come and clap for us right. after we lost eight nothing. <laughs> like those days weren't too far. And now it's like we held on, we're top of the supporters' shield and the, they just like can't wait to like walk around the stadium and wave to us. So, yeah. you and know, it, and as Tom, as Tom Bogert would say online today, we are among the best teams in MLS. <laughs> We're a part of that group. <laughs> <laughs> that group includes teams we've beaten and teams below us, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was Joe? Um, should I just look at uh, Joseph Mame's tweet? You know, I don't want to I don't want to get his wording wrong, but it was basically like. We earned our spot. Oh, yeah. If both Seattle and LAFC lose tonight, FC Cincinnati can hang on to third in MLS power rankings. So. <laughs> Which is, it would be funny if it wasn't so true. So true. <laughs> They've I've proven been, they're in the upper 25% of teams. There's right, no doubt about FC it. FC Cincinnati is leading the league on points and has the most wins in MLS, but they are critically not located in a coastal city that matters for ratings purposes. <laughs> and um, I'm sure... Yeah. I'm sure you guys would somewhat agree that like we've watched all the games and you're like 
are we this good? Like, cause like it ebbs and flows, but at some point, like we're on like a record setting pace for the like total points in a year. And it doesn't totally jive with everything you see, but you know, eventually you got to kind of like you would say earlier in the year chief, like, well, we can't keep winning one to nothing. It was like, well, fuck, we keep winning by one goal. And (laughs) at some point you got to kind of throw your hands up and say that, this is who we are. We're a team that, you know, yeah. hopefully is going to explode at some point. But for now, we just can't stop winning. Yeah. During that uh, stretch of games where we kept winning everything by one goal, we actually set the MLS record for consecutive games won by one goal. So if that gives you any sense of this team. And yeah, like there is certainly part of it of like, are we really that good? Like how sustainable is this? But the other part of it too is what happens when we do click? Because that's the thing that like we saw for the first 20, 30 minutes of this game, we saw it mainly against Montreal. I'd say that was, that was a a very complete performance, but like what happens when Brenner's replacement is here and is working his ass off like Acosta and can score? It's like, oh boy, <laughs> like there's, there's a, I don't know, we're we're stuck in whatever gear that we're stuck in, and there dare, is certainly room to go up. Dare I say, a perfect time to pivot to segment two. Let's do that. So. Uh, part two, we're going to talk bigger picture, broader implications here. And then part three, there's a game tomorrow by the time you're listening to this. So we'll touch on that. But part two, uh, bigger picture stuff. Here we go. All right, we're back. Part two, and I, I've just been informed that we missed a headline. Jonah, please. <laughs> no no content goes wasted here. <laughs> no. You know, if it wasn't special, actually, there's two. I think they're very special. I'll, I'll fire them off quick, but they weren't special. I, I was so happy I found them. This is in the Cleveland Plain Dealer. What's that by my waist? Rabid Cucho lurks through FC bathrooms after acquired taste for Cincinnati piss goes unquenched. So he's like like a vampire now, just hanging out at the trough, looking for FC FC urine. Fresh urine. (laughs) Only the best. When I saw him, yeah, I saw him by like the corner and I was like, is someone going to throw something? Uh, last one. This is from Laurel Fowler's Queen City Press. Enjoy the drive. FC fans heckle crew supporters who have to make the long trip back to their over-the-rhine apartments. So, I don't know if you guys saw that one. Boom, roasted. Enjoy the drive, fuckers. Yeah, yeah you live here. Uh, part you two? used to be FC Cincinnati supporters. Uh. Yeah, they pivoted. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I loved it. Actually, uh, Laurel did have a a great tweet from last night uh, asking Roman Celentano if, uh, as a keeper, does he remember his his great saves or do they all blur together? And she said before she could even really finish answering that question, he said, yeah, that was my best save ever. Like, he was immediately <laughs> jumping on it. Like, that, one's, that one's sticking in there. <laughs> I'll take his word for it then. <laughs> yeah. So I love a pl- I love a player that doesn't even pretend 
at yeah. like, oh, no, no, everything is fine. Uh, Everything's OK. One like, day at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah now, but uh, Pat said like, yeah. this is a, it did feel a little different. I'm like, yeah, Pat, it's OK to admit that like <laughs> the stadium is packed. It's a rivalry game. He's like, yeah, OK, this one did feel a little different, which is about as the most you'll get out of him. Yeah, that was him admitting to like you know getting up for one game versus another in the league that's that's a that's a serious right. crime in in I his mind like almost a tear shed at that moment it's like oh the robot is starting to feel feelings <laughs> <laughs> this this all of this all of this pomp and circumstance the the crowd the the storyline of the game everything finally made a tiny little dent in his armor there that hey this one might have mattered a little bit more to this city <laughs> and i think that's where we want to go in this one is the fact that this one did mean more and i I think it's important to point out, no matter how the rest of this season goes, um, and I, I think we all have, at this point, expectations and reasonable expectations that there is a, uh, you know, a, a genuine fight for a trophy here uh, to, to wrap up the year and that, that back half. But like what we are seeing right now is very special. And I, I believe, Jonah, you alluded to this one that like we're outpacing the 2021 New England Revolution point total at this point in the season when they set the all-time points record. Uh, by nature of that, we are outpacing LAFC last year as they won uh, the, the Supporters' Shield. This team has enough depth, enough talent to to do something incredibly special. and. Yes, we have a longer history than just our time in MLS, but to go from this time in MLS to now is something I never want to take for granted and that this is incredible to be a part of. I don't know if if anybody else has a different take than that. I don't know if there's a different take, but I am. I am just every day that we're watching this team perform like this. I am just blown away by the fact that we're here. I'm, I'm blown away by a couple of things right now, and I think it's worth pointing out. Number one, they're continuing to do this without Brenner. And all of the prognostications we made before the start of the season included some combination of Brenner actually playing mm-hmm. for the summer transfer window. And there's, again, rumors swirling that he's on his way out and that he's already potentially played his last game for FC Cincinnati, but they're doing this without their YDP striker playing. That's pretty special. They're doing it without getting top performances out of Brandon Vasquez. That's pretty special. Um, And I do agree with you. It does what you said in the last segment. It feels like there's still another gear to hit, and that's frightening for a team that's only lost one game on the season and uh, has won nine. So it's special. I do want to keep one eye on the idea that there's going to be a bump in the road. And I have to tell myself this because I'm the first person that melts down whenever one of my sports teams (laughs) loses because I'm an adult that way. That like what they are doing right now, if you want to take a big picture, look at this is banking points. And look, as much as fun as it would be, they are not going to win supporters shield with one loss. That's not going to happen. If that happens, then 
start building statues of every <laughs> one of the starting 11 on the outside of TQL. That's not going to happen. There, there's going to be a bump in the road. It might happen as soon as uh, this Open Cup game we're going to talk about in a little bit next week, uh, this week. But yeah, this is special. And the reason why it's special is that they are building a cushion for themselves to survive the inevitable lulls that they're going to have during the course of the season. Yeah. Jonah, how does this season compare to like the 2018 USL team? That was probably the last truly good to great FCC team we've seen. Yeah. They also felt like a juggernaut because we were like the all-star team right. of USL. This one, you can still like Nick Haglund starting every game. <laughs> Ray Gaddis is old and has his shirt tucked in. So like you can still see like we don't look like we have we're ahead of LAFC. We've scored almost as many. They've played less games, one less game. But like I in my head, we haven't scored that many goals, but like we're comparable to most of the teams. So. Yeah, it's like we're not a juggernaut, but I feel like by the end of the season, if like we get the right signing, we play our things right, we could be the team that's like dominating. And to Chief's point, I think maybe the one thing that is sustainable is maybe we can do this at home for the whole year mm. and that will feel almost as good. Because yeah. watching a game <laughs> on TV, a road game that's not Columbus, you know, you're... You get upset, you get mad, you stomp around the house, but you still have a slight shield of disassociating from yes. what you're seeing. <laughs> the home games, we saw so many losses, so many bad losses before that it affected everything. Obviously, not just the standings, but like your feelings about the team when you don't get to see him win at home that much. Mm -hmm. If we can keep TQL as the place where we just can't lose no matter what, That'll make everything else. We can afford to drop some games on the road. Um, yeah. And then if we get a home playoff game at the end of this, we'll have, you know, the frightening thought of like, oh, we never lose at home. You know, you like <laughs> the undefeated right. team. Like, should we get that one loss out of the way? I'm not saying we'll go undefeated <laughs> at home, but like it could feel, you know, we could shalala our way to being like the most dominant home team. And that's pretty good so if we even if we don't set a record for points or something if we can just establish that we cannot be beaten at home that'll be worth everything especially if we get a home playoff game and we can make good on that for the whole season so if the longer fc cincinnati goes not losing a game at home at what point does the team need to start thinking about chartering flights for fans to accompany the team on the road with the promise that they <laughs> sing as loudly as possible and shalala as loudly as possible in visiting stadiums. I mean, I'd be setting up buses to all of the available away days. I, I, I'm sure I'll mess something up here, but I mean, DC, Charlotte, Chicago, Columbus, you can get buses to those places, especially Charlotte and in uh, Chicago. Those are big stadiums. It won't be hard to get a ticket for yeah. one of those. <laughs> I'm already not looking forward to uh, Columbus. We already had Chicago. Damn it. All right. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Columbus away, like, I don't enjoy, but I feel yeah. like, you know, you, you got to go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so th this, there's another uncomfortable question that I have to bring up now. So we won yesterday. Big win. First big win in the Hell is Real rivalry. 
am I not allowed to go to this game anymore <laughs> until they lose? It is. We got to see who else didn't go. Who yeah. else was not in attendance? And then, yeah, if you didn't go to this game, can you just holler at, you know, let me know, drop me an at or something like that so that I can blame you and then I can go to this game? <laughs> or, maybe- or if you sold your tickets, like mm. you got to sh- show yourself. You didn't move sections. You sold tickets just because you're like, you know what? I want to make 150 yeah, bucks. I, I want to point this out too, <laughs> as well. Um, we overuse the word hero in modern society. I get that. Um, I could have sold my Bailey tickets for in excess of $100 a piece. I gave them away to friends who just promised they would be loud. Wow. So I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm doing my part here. Did you check in on him? Did you see? Yeah, I mean, no, he, the, he, the, he, the really would have pulled them along at some point and you couldn't help it. Yeah. He um, he was a good friend and like all good friends immediately texted me afterward and said that was one of the greatest sporting events I've ever been to. I'm sorry that you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> you're, it's like you're welcome so, and fuck you. So if you're yeah. listening, fuck you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Did he also show up to the Bailey with a somewhat obscure Vanderpump Rules t-shirt and and get oh wait, out. that was my brother. <laughs> he nearly got kicked out of the Bailey because he thought it was a pro crew shirt. <laughs> he has a second one. I think my wife would wear that. I mean, she's the only person that watches that show. He said he took like thirty photos with people, so there was enough people who got the reference. Really loved it. But I, 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 I was uh, Tom Sandoval. We're in a, in a, he's the Tom slimy Sandoval, guy. That name mean anything to you? I got a nod from. He's Mrs. in a Chief huge cheating there. scandal right now. So. His shirt said "Crew uh, Columbus Crew is Team Sandoval, and it was him in a crew jersey. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying he would be a crew fan. I mean, the difference between the two shows that get watched in my household is uh, Vanderpump Rules and then um, a show. I call it the boat show. I think it's actually called Below Deck, and I can tell which yeah, one yeah. Mrs. Chief is watching based on the number yeah. of times uh, there's like a curse word being bleeped out. Because the people on the boat show have to be professionals because they all work in high-end yachting. And the people on Vanderpump Rules are just miserable human beings. Sure. With no such compunctions. We always see promos for it. Like, coming back from commercial, I watched we watched Top Chef with our kids. They enjoy Top Chef as well. And so you get all these promos for Below Deck and Vanderpump. And it's like five seconds where their brains are probably like, what? (laughs) <laughs> all years, beep, beep, beep. like what's going like i want to watch that show because anytime there's a cuss word my youngest is like what do you say I'm like that's why it's bleeped because you're not allowed to know uh but yeah i mean i i, I should yeah. take a deeper I, i've every whole year i don't know about you guys but i've been so bad at the the schedule yes i never know what's more than a week in in advance i know the game that's coming up then after that it's a blur so maybe i'll start checking that out i don't want to be you know schedule watching just yet but uh no, it, the team is good yeah. enough right now that it has made me think to myself, I should try and make one or two road games this year, like try and figure out what the winnable ones are and just try to be there because yeah, as much fun as watching a team win at TQL Stadium is watching them win at home and hearing them play Mr. Brightside, the song that we all love. Our anthem <laughs> as a podcast. <laughs> Always there, loved there it. Is, there is something special to to going on the road and watching FC Cincinnati win because it's new enough that the other fan bases get really triggered when they lose to Cincinnati still. Cause I don't think word is out yet there yet. Yeah. But the team is good. They just get mad that Cincinnati is coming and beating them. That's something I just want to be a part of as a hateful 
soul and just reveling in the misery of others. Until we're at the top of that power rankings, no one's going to believe it. So keep putting us at third. <laughs> Fly under the radar. That's- yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I am the same way, though. I've not really looked at the the schedule too much. Uh, not unlike Noonan, I like to take this one game at a time and you know, focus on one op- opponent only. Uh, just quickly glancing at the schedule here. Over the next 10 games, we have just three home matches. And if there was ever a time to test where this team is mentally, I feel like a number of road games is going to be that test. (coughs) We are at home once uh, to the end of June uh, on this one. The next home game is uh, July 1st. Otherwise, we are home on June 3rd and everything in between there is away uh the one thing that could change that is winning the open cup game we could host another game at home with that one but yeah this team is not particularly good on the road i think it's one one win one loss three draws on the road something along those lines so if this team is truly going to take that next step you have to start turning some of those road draws into wins, but otherwise the the formula has worked well up until this point, and it it needs to be repeated that FCC is currently on pace for a truly special season, and it feels really good. I think somebody said it in the Discord server uh, yesterday that like it's great to finally have the team that we always felt like we deserved. And I imagine every fan base feels that way, but for so long, FCC was the MLS team with literally everything right, except for the on-field product. And now we have that. And now all of a sudden the facilities mean more, the crowd means more, the coaching means more. It's coming together. And also it's like, this is what made this team. This is what made this city become a soccer town is that the team was really good and they were fun to watch. And finally it's back like that again. And that everyone's excited about FC Cincinnati. The crowd is hype. Everything's, everything's good right now. And I'm just trying to bottle this feeling and save it for when I know they pissed me off later this year, which will happen (laughs) at some point. I know. Yeah. But not Um, today, Satan. Not today. (laughs) I think it was Steve. Shout out to Steve Haldeman. Okay, good. I think it was Steve in the Discord. Um, Yeah, and I don't want to undersell how um, orgasmic, I will speak for every FCC fan, that that win was. It was like a feeling of relief that, thank God, we did this. But then just like the pure ecstasy. Yes. I'm 12.30 a.m., you know, I'm in bed. I'm still like, I'm just like, keep refreshing i don't know like something new is gonna happen or like oh i never saw i didn't see this picture you just keep refreshing you do, you know you don't want to let go yeah. when you wake up or you rewatch the highlights maybe you rewatch the game listen to ed sheeran at full volume as you scroll listen through to twitter ed sheeran, yeah put it underneath as the background music for hell is real we need a gb fan cam video with ed sheeran playing underneath yeah, and then it becomes such I've a, got a, I got, I got a flight home to kill. I've, I've got worse ideas. <laughs> it was such a long day that, like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, Opie met GB. Like, that happened the same time at the same day that 
Celentano <laughs> made that save. Like, was that the same day? Like, was this all? It was. All, it was all a blur, literally, and it, it was it, just. Oh, is it, it all time for out. the FC to embrace Opie? Because I'm noticing an alarming trend that when Opie shows up, results on the field follow. It's, it's undeniable. It's who, pretty who wants compelling. to be the person that will be? Who wants to be the person at FC Cincinnati's front office that is responsible the first time this team drops points when Opie isn't around? That who's going to go in front of the fan base and explain why they did away with the good luck charm that we've established organically as a fan base? Opie is sad. He is carrying the sadness for us so that we might feel joy. Yeah. It's like uh, all of those like towns and cities in Japan that all have like 10 mascots each or whatever and they're all dressed up and they're all like the different mascots oh, like their trash collection team and their whatever <laughs> john oliver's way big into this have we thought about contacting john oliver because i think he's probably really hard up for content with the writer's strike going on right now we've we've got a fake mascot running amongst this team <laughs> i think i say running this, amok not only a fake mascot but a mascot that is being denied entrance to the team he loves <laughs> it's also feel like his content <laughs> yeah you the the club should know this i told you guys i was seeing opie uh walking back to his car in costume and a father a young boy yells out it's it's scary it's the mascot and i hear the father say no, it's not. It's a knockoff, Gary. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, I love that he immediately recognizes knockoff Gary because Opie was wearing khaki pants and white vans, um, but he had furry arms and hands. Yeah. Are, we ready, are, we, are we ready to announce that Opie's next appearance is going to be at the Oak Fest on July 15th? I have Opfest written down. You know, I wasn't going to get out of here before mentioning Opfest, July 15th versus Nashville SC. And because I was thinking, you know, how excited everyone was, what there was hot dogs, brats, beers. I mean, GB, obviously, but like a festival atmosphere at Northern Row. So baseline for Opfest, um, which possibly with a big, big sponsors coming up. I don't want to, you know, we don't have any, but. They could be coming. It could be. For sure. One email away from a big sponsorship. We're we're close. Especially in cyberspace. It's in a moment. But that's the baseline. So if you thought pregame was special, spectacular, you loved it before the march, you spent the whole afternoon drinking and eating and being merry. That's the baseline for Opefest this year, July 15th. So that's we can promise you that. And uh, everything else point, which should be extra. I do want to point out that Opefest being on July 15th, that is against Nashville, a team that desperately wants to be our rival, to which our yeah. response is, oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so you could take it seriously. You could not take it seriously. But uh, if there's an Opefest, Opie will, you know, he'll have to be there in some form of another. But um, yeah, if you get any ideas for Opefest, we're all ears because it's going down. And if you have a vacation planned, it's not too late to reschedule. And I don't know if you have Ed Sheeran tickets somewhere July 15th. That's not something. I don't know if you could, let me see if he's playing anywhere. On that's that's something you could back out of. But uh, Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> well, Kevin, are you? You haven't said anything positive about Opefest. Are you anti Opefest? Oh, Ed, Ed Sheeran's <laughs> playing Saturday, July 15th, Detroit, Michigan. Ooh, that's know. closer it's that's closer <laughs> <laughs> although he's in Nashville the next weekend so 
Oh, uh, interesting. I'm told, I'm told that um, that uh, so I'm more of a the wife is the big Ed Sheeran fan. I do enjoy Ed quite a bit, but I'm more of a Dave Matthews guy. Ed sure. Sheeran, unlike Dave Matthews, does not change the set list from show to show. You're seeing the same show mm, no matter yeah. what mm. city you go see him in. Um, so sadly, the incentive to hit multiple tour stops isn't needed. Um, so no, uh, there will not be Ed Sheeran <laughs> tickets on that day. Kevin, will you commit right here as we tape this podcast? Will you commit to adding a Discord channel for Oakfest? So that the people on the Discord can get excited for Opefest. <laughs> yes, yes, there will be an Opefest <laughs> channel. I will make it quietly and see who notices. Yeah, see who starts like popping a little, in. Little present <laughs> under their once we, the, once we make the Discord channel, this has to happen. This is yes. like we've committed ourselves now at this point. No, I am. I am a hundred percent in on Opefest. Uh, I think that there's there's some different ideas we could do. Um, I had the idea earlier today, and I know this would be absurd, but we should get a caricature artist to draw characters of people with Opie, where just every photo has to be with Opie in it. <laughs> to see, with Opfest, the beauty is they could be bad. Yes. Maybe like classic Opfest. You really use nothing. It's like a fire fest where you know what you're getting into, but at least they'll, you know there'll be cold beer. You know, yeah. there'll be a uh, good time, sad, you know, there'll be a game after, so you won't be stuck there, but that's the beauty of it. So yeah. And also my, I really do think this could be our, the super content league as you know, everyone out there listening thinks about yes. the super content league. <laughs> <laughs> I do think this could be our legacy and no offense to Northern row. I hope there'll be a sponsor in future years, but in my mind, eventually this is too big for Northern Row. We need, we'll have to get more space. We'll have to spread our wings. What was the, uh, I almost got it Bumblebee. What was the, what was the festival? Bunbury. 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 Uh, Bumblebee festival. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Bunbury. Like, it's not going to be that, but. But it could be close. It could be something. <laughs> so I could just imagine Oak Fest turning in like, like, what is, is this soccer related? Is this a barbecue festival? Is this an Italian meatball festival? Is this a beer festival? Is this a craft root beer festival? To that, I say yes. Yes. Thank yes. You. To all of your questions, the answer is yes. That's Absolutely. how high we're riding right now after hell is real. I'm getting visions of grandeur. Um, Eric Nally will be performing. The, now, the anthem on a loop. <laughs> just just <laughs> an old fest. <laughs> he said, and from the top, and he does it again. We're feeling good. I like the idea of uh, the eventual arena that they're building near the uh, the FCC stadium. That we get to rent that out for Oak Fest. That we we take the convention floor mm -hmm. and we uh, we we do it up nice before a game. <laughs> I'm in. Let's make this happen. Oh my god! So July fifteenth. Check it out on the Discord as we come up with ideas. You'll watch it happen in real time, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Behind God. the scenes. Well, before this goes on any any further, let's jump over to part three, talk a little bit about the Open Cup game, and call it a wrap. So let's let's do that. <laughs> Welcome back. 
Now, we are back and we're talking the Open Cup, and I certainly don't want to be keeping Miss Chief up any later than she has to. Uh, sadly, he... sadly, there wasn't a business center with a door at this hotel. So, <laughs> I appreciate... Unlike, unlike Dublin, this hotel is not podcast friendly. I do appreciate somebody getting to listen to one third of a podcast, as I imagine she can't hear us. So, this is What the is the mo- chief's this is the mo- wife mo- called? Sorry, I'll Google it. Go ahead. Chief S. <laughs> Chief Dis. Yes, that Chief is what it is. There we go. Chief Dis. Um, this is the most, oh, this like is the most of the post cast she's ever listened to. And with her being here, drops runs our listener base up to 13. This is exciting. All right. <laughs> Slowly but surely, we will increase these numbers boy, one way or the other. <laughs> uh, if you listened, like the tweet that says... That, that tweets out the podcast it's always like five likes like new postcasts yeah. and then the listens are so much higher so prove it prove it by liking the tweet yeah, i don't know if anybody's waiting to see that tweet to then go download it i don't know if that's a thing people do but God they bless feel you important you do. Can, we, can, can we get can, just for this this podcast if you're listening to this right now go retweet and like the tweet just because I'm curious how many people actually listen to Steve in the episode. <laughs> Come on, it's a thought exercise, folks. You can't turn it down. Yes. Right. This is, a, this is for science. It's a science experiment. Oh, man. Oh. So Frankie Revenge game. Speaking of science <laughs> projects, the Open Cup. I don't know. Uh, we've got the Open Cup on Tuesday, which is absurd. Like I said, most people listen to this on a Monday, which means this happens tomorrow oh at God. New York Red Bulls. Uh, I mean, if we thought the Montreal game was a trap game, is this not the most losable game we've come across this year coming down off of that emotional high depth isn't as good as it could be at the moment um yeah chief what are we thinking for this one should we should we expect a win yeah it's really hard to predict because it's a real binary situation is the fc going to go for this game or not right if they want to go for this game it's like pat brennan said i think last week if they want to go for it it's theirs Mm -hmm. but if they're thinking, like we were talking about earlier, that they've got all these road games coming up, a long stretch, that it's going to be a kind of a grind portion of the season, and they just rotate and whatever happens, happens, it could be anyone's game. I'm going to choose to believe that the way they're going to play this game is they're going to play this game to win. Mm. Because when it's a weird thing that this team has finally figured out a little bit how to get comfortable with winning, and you if you're winning games, don't stop winning. Don't stop the momentum. Don't let the idea even exist that w- something other than winning could happen. So yeah, I'm going to predict they go for it. I'm going to predict that we see a mix of players that are starters and reserves, kind of like the last Open Cup game we played against uh, NYC FC, I think it was, that we beat. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think that they, I think they try to win. And I think they do win because even playing a mix of reserves, our mix of reserves and starters is better than New York's mix of reserves and starters. It's just there's a talent gap between these two teams. And uh, I mean, if you wanted to peg me down on a you know prediction, I'd say two one feels right. I don't know. Us winning, I assume. Us winning, yeah. Okay. Us winning, yeah. Win <laughs> two one win. Jonah. I don't know if this changes your opinion, but. 
Frankie Mai has been out for a month and he'll probably miss this game too. So yeah. no Frankie revenge goal, even though he's looked like shit every time he's played us. <laughs> so <laughs> that would actually be nice to have Frankie out there. Give him but, time uh, to thank the fans. Well, yeah, he's got time. He's just sitting on his couch. Come on, buddy. That'd be fucking hilarious right now if he just did it like on a Monday morning. He's like, hey, he by the way, thanks. Yeah. Hey, this was in the drafts. I thought this sent out, but thanks to the my, fans. There was a, my, uh, my somebody got close on Instagram with him um, where they said, Frankie, when will you thank the fans in Cincinnati? And he liked it. I think it was something along those lines. <laughs> It was like, oh, he's so close to acknowledging what's happening. And in case you were wondering, folks, it is at the bottom of the Post's website, thepostcincy.com. We are at, I'll, I'll round up for, for folks listening on Monday, 762 days since Frankie thanked uh-huh. the fans on his way out. Well, I got this. Is this close enough? This is a lot of, most listeners of the Postcast won't know this. Mm. So I I have... I had DM'd several times with Frankie Amaya Sr. Mm. That would be Frankie's father. Mm-hmm. Actually his father, not like a an alt. I'm not having a conversation with myself. Because <laughs> uh, he saw the, the painting of Frankie and he wanted it. Yep. I said, I, I can, it can be yours if you're interested. And he said, how much? And I was like, it's free. It's your painting, bro. It's your son. I was going to send it to him and everything. He didn't get back to me in time. I was going to send him the painting for free. So now it's in my basement awkwardly next to a picture of oat pizza uh, that I painted. <laughs> so <laughs> it's quite the galleria. Um, but here's this is what um, this is what Frankie's dad said. April 12th, 2021. He said, thanks for supporting Frankie. FCC fans are the best. The move has nothing to do with the city, the fans, the players, the position, or the coach. I don't know. Um, <laughs> well, I guess they didn't say the front office. He said, I wish you guys the best. I said, good luck to him. He has a terrific family. He said, thank you very much. I will always listen to the podcast. It's one of the best and funniest. Aww. Which, uh... I hope he stopped. <laughs> I wasn't always dabbing up his son on there. <laughs> have you at least been have you noticing that like there's always continues to be, like one or two downloads that are happening and they're always coming from like New York? <laughs> this is interesting. But yeah, so Frankie's dad via me thanked the fans. So I don't know for what it's worth, which I say is worth nothing until Frankie does it. But I thought that was funny. I do have a thank you from Frankie's dad. So. Frank so Sr., good. if you're still out there and you're still they, listening, first of all, you sicko. But secondly, if you want that painting, it's not too late. But, uh, it's be a total sicko move to have already transitioned to another FC Cincinnati podcast. This kid doesn't play the team anymore. One nil FC. One nil FC. I can see that. I I do have. Uh, before I give you my predictions here, Grayson is going the opposite side from you there, Jonah. He called for a one nothing loss to New York Red Bulls, which would be pretty devastating. But, uh, but also, road... we're, definitely, we're definitely winning. All yeah, right. reverse jinx in full good. effect. Uh, I'll go 2 nothing, good guys. That feels right. Uh, I, I think we can win this one. I think they are going to try. It's just a matter of... Where where those legs will be? So, there you go. Well, there's sure. the Kubo game, baby. He's gonna take <laughs> Please. over. Please, a Kubo Baji pairing up top. Give Give Vasquez a night off for the love of God. He needs He needs a <laughs> mental health day. Each <laughs> uh, one. Well, with that, gentlemen, I think that's a postcast. I don't have anything else for you. 
Jonah. You know, I um obviously rise together, fries together. And um I love you all now more than ever. Thank you to everyone I saw, whether I could see you or not. What a magical day. <laughs> and hopefully it's the the first magical day of many on this glorious ride that we're currently on. God bless. Feels good. And to everyone out there that came down to Cincinnati that drove down from Columbus to be at this match. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.